and welcome back to the Better Happy podcast for managers hosted by myself, Mike Jones. What we're going to be talking about today then is a hot topic in leadership, management and business in general and that topic is well-being with the title, the provocative title of No Bullshit Wellbeing. Now I'm not actually a big fan of people swearing on their podcasts and content to get attention but I do think there's a lot of bullshit when it comes to thinking about and improving well-being and I think that creates a lot of stress and confusion for people in leadership and management roles. So the aim of the podcast today is for me to provide you with 10 points that are going to help you feel like you know everything you need to know about what your responsibility is with well-being in the workplace, with your teams, with yourself and what you can do about it. What I'm not going to be doing is going through a definitive list and practices of exactly how to improve your well-being, but I am going to get you into a place where you feel confident that you know exactly how you need to think about and approach well-being to get maximum impact in the workplace. I think this is going to be a really good use of your time and I deliver training on this to hundreds of managers every year and what I'm going to do is give you all of that information condensed in 10 minutes so that you can walk away from this session feeling like you know what you need to know to know that you're doing the right thing when it comes to well-being and you're not being misled by all of the misinformation out there. So that's another key thing I want to do in this session is vaccinate you against the bullshit so that you can see things on the internet or hear things at work and feel like you feel confident in batting that stuff off or knowing how to respond. So let's jump into it. So point number one then, well-being isn't a business challenge. Well-being is a modern life challenge. So that's something we need to be really clear on. It's not a new business challenge. Well-being is challenging in the modern, busy, hyper-connected digital world that we live in. It's obvious if we think about it, we have processed foods available to us, we live more sedentary lives, we're more disconnected from people physically, more connected to them digitally, we compare ourselves to more people than ever before, we have more responsibilities at work, we have more responsibilities in our personal lives. So well-being isn't a new business challenge, well-being is a modern life challenge. So don't think about well-being as a business challenge, it's not, it's a life challenge that we're all facing. If people in your business or your team have got a well-being issue, that's because of life potentially, not just because of the business or the team. So don't take all this pressure on your shoulders to think that it's something that you've got to fix. Now, point number two, well-being isn't your responsibility. Well-being is the responsibility of the person. My, my well-being is my responsibility and nobody else can take responsibility for that. Although politically we do tend to, in the modern day and age, put the pressure on the powers external to us to be responsible for us. So we, we say the government needs to fix our well-being or the workplace. That's a really poor attitude to take. So. Well-being, the well-being of your team is not your responsibility, but you do influence it heavily and you do stand to benefit from it being good. So you don't need to feel responsible for the well-being of your employees or your team or your business, but you're going to stand to benefit a lot from doing things to improve it and you have a large influence over how somebody feels. The most common aspect around the world's longest lived communities is that they live in a healthy environment of people and a healthy community. It's not that they've got a one specific diet plan, it's not that there's one specific exercise regime that people follow. When we look at different healthy environment, uh, healthy cultures from around the world where people regularly live to over 100 or up to 100, the commonality, the only common theme is a, uh, is a healthy environment and a healthy community. So obviously in the modern life, people spend a lot of their time in the workplace. So you do have a big influence over people's well-being. If people come into work and they feel like crap all day, 
chances are they're going to have not very good levels of well-being. If people are coming to work and they feel good about themselves all day, chances are they're going to have good levels of well-being, which then leads into my next point. So point number three, the main cause of poor well-being is stress. Okay, we know that from the data. We know that the leading cause of sickness days in the workplace is stress. And actually, a lot of those days that are taken of sick aren't through genuine stress just because people don't like their work, which you can still class as stress. And most stress is caused by poor communication and a fear of conflict. So I've worked with tons of different teams across different businesses and different industries, and we always see the same challenges. People generally are scared of or fearful of conflict. So when somebody upsets them, which is always going to happen in teams, you're never going to have a team that's happy because everybody's just on the same page. We're always going to have disagreements and values clashes. But the issues begin when somebody's upset you or you've upset somebody in your team and they then don't feel safe to go and address that. Now, before you start thinking, oh, that means I've got to go above and beyond to make them feel safe. Yes, you have. But the main reason that people don't feel safe having conflict with others is because of their own issues, not because of the external environment. So generally humans are fearful of and avoidant of conflict. Now this is always gonna create crappy cultures because when you've got multiple people working together, you need to have healthy disagreements, you need to get issues out, you need to come to conclusions, you need to work together. If that's not happening, people get resentful, people get stressed, people get unhappy, and that leads to bitching, to gossip, and a crappy culture where people get stressed. So when we hear the term well-being and we start thinking about trying to fix it, we tend to picture in our minds people wearing yoga pants and going to the gym and things of this nature. Whereas actually 90% of better well-being in the workplace will be achieved through creating a healthy relationship with stress, which, which requires us to have a healthy relationship with confrontation and a healthy level of conflict. So stress is the number one cause and the number one cause of the stress at work, at work is people being fearful of conflict and not having any healthy confrontation. Point number four then is managers and leaders need to talk about how they're feeling and they need to be open about when they're stressed or feeling overwhelmed. We have this tendency to tell ourselves once we're in a leadership or management position that it's a weakness to show any weakness and that we need to in those positions show strength and fortitude and not show any stresses or anything like that. Now, actually what this does is it creates a false economy because people look up to us in leadership and management positions. They see that, well, they perceive that we're never stressed or overwhelmed or doubting ourselves because that's what the image that we're showing them. So then they feel that they can't talk about how they're feeling and that they should suppress any feelings of self-doubt or imposter syndrome or whatever else it might be. Now, the key thing to understand is this, is that all human beings have self-doubt, all human beings have imposter syndrome. All human beings have days where they don't feel good, regardless of who you are or how successful you've been. So if you're not openly showing that to your teams, then they think there's something wrong with it because they aspire to be in your position. So then they start to suppress those feelings and it leads to this crappy culture where people don't have a healthy relationship with their emotions and can't handle the negative emotions that come up because they just try to suppress them. So. If you want to create a culture of well-being, I'm not suggesting that you should go into work and cry in front of your staff and tell them every every fear or concern or stress you've ever had, but you should certainly be showing them openness around when you're struggling with something or you don't know how to complete a project or you're worried that you're not going to hit the results, share that with them um, because that will create this culture where people are open and honest about their emotions. 
which leads us on to the next point, which is make sure that when you're planning your work, you're doing that with your teams, you're involving your teams. So what you might notice here, this is point number five, by the way, plan work and involve your teams. We're talking about well-being, and we haven't talked anything yet about physical health or going to the gym or meditation. And that's a vital part of this podcast that you need to understand that 90% of well-being at work has nothing to do with the gym or fitness or bad backs or stress management as such. It has everything to do with the culture that you're creating. Poor poor well-being, poor physical health, high levels of sick days, more often than not in the workplace, are the symptom of a crappy culture. And it's not a crappy culture that we've intentionally created. It's through our own flaws and errors and ways of thinking. But we see the symptoms, which is people not happy, people sick, people stressed, people going off work a lot, high, high amounts of sick days, people bad backs. We see all of these things and we're like, okay, well, we need to fix the symptoms. But actually what we need to do if we want to have good well-being is fix the root cause of the issues. And 90% of the time, if you've got high levels of sickness and stress and poor well-being, it's because you haven't got a very good culture because of the issues that we're talking about here. And so those symptoms will often take care of themselves if we take care of the culture first. So back to point number five then, we need to plan our work and we need to involve our teams. Now that might seem obvious, but actually most businesses that I work with and talk to and managers that I talk to aren't very good at planning and they neglect planning because we prioritize being busy. If you prioritize busyness and you neglect time for planning or involving your team in the planning process because you tell yourself, we haven't got time to plan because there's too much to do, you will create a culture of stress, you will get overwhelmed yourself, your team won't be clear on what they're trying to achieve, nobody knows when they're doing a good job, you're just constantly reacting to the next thing and it just becomes miserable and it will always lead to stress for you and stress for your teams. So you need to give yourself permission when you go into a position of leadership or management to plan and to involve your teams in that planning process. I'm not gonna go into being prescriptive here, but at a bare minimum, depending on the speed of innovation and growth in your business, you should be meeting at least once a quarter, maybe even monthly for a full day to get focused on what's our top three to five objectives over the next three, one month or three months. And you should be involving your team in that. Again, that demon on your shoulder, that monkey on your shoulder is gonna be saying to you, we're too busy for that, we don't have time for that. That's your problem. If that's the mentality that you've got, you will always have high levels of stress, high levels of burnout, for you and your teams, which is going to lead to high levels of turnover and poor levels of innovation. Success in the modern world for businesses is not about who can do the most, but who can do less better. It's the discipline pursuit of less that's going to make businesses and teams successful in the modern world. Point number six then, which kind of returns to some of the points that we've just been talking about, is to encourage conflict. So encourage healthy debate with your teams, get people to disagree, and for you as a manager, work on your fear of conflict if you have one. Politically, we have this message in the modern busy world that conflict is bad and that if we disagree with somebody, um, that's an issue. And that's a really poor mindset to have and it's causing a lot of issues in the modern world and for our mental health. So you can disagree with somebody without hating them. Uh, but actually, if you agree with somebody all the time and, and, you, and you suppress it when you disagree with them, you probably will end up hating them. So if you want your team to get on and you wanna have good levels of well-being and stress management, you've got to encourage healthy debate amongst your teams. Now, you might say, well, there is no debate amongst my teams because we all just get on. The only time that there will be genuinely no debate is for one of two reasons. One is that you genuinely all align, have nothing that you disagree on. That is very, 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 very rare. So if you think that's what it is, I'm 99% certain that you are telling yourself lies 
Uh, most of the time when there's no conflict in your team, it's because people feel unsafe to do so. They don't feel safe to share their thoughts. They don't feel safe to share their concerns. Then all they're too busy just trying to keep everybody happy um, as opposed to being really honest about how they're feeling and what they want to achieve. It's not good for you. It's not good for them. It's not good for a team. It's not good for a business. So one thing you should be doing as a manager, as a leader is encouraging healthy debate and healthy conflict. If you're not doing that, not only are you not benefiting the, the them and the, and the business, um, you're also creating a culture where poor mental health can, can, can flourish. One of the things that stresses people out the most is when they have a values conflict with somebody else and they don't address it and it just goes on and on and on. So even if they don't get the outcome that they want, just by having a, a constructive debate about it will make people feel better. So you've got to encourage healthy debate. Okay, so that's points one to six. Just give you a recap. Wellbeing is a life challenge, not a business challenge. It's not your point two. It's not your responsibility, but it, you do influence it and it will benefit you to focus on it. Point three, the main cause of poor well-being is stress, and that stress is caused through poor communication. Point four, managers and leaders should share how they feel and be open about when they're struggling or when they're stressed. And point five, make sure that you plan your work and that you're involving your teams in that planning process. Point six, you have to encourage healthy debate and conflict within a team to have an environment where people feel good and where well-being can flourish as well as results. So point seven now, and this is the last four points, seven, eight, nine, ten. These move into physical health and the actual um, typical image that we conjure up in our minds when we think of well-being. So it's really important for you to note that it's taken a six point. So 60% of these points are actually about culture, uh, planning, talking to each other and how we and how we lead. So if you if you visualize a bucket in your head and the bot, there's holes in the bucket and the more we fill the bucket, the better our culture, the better the well-being and there's holes from the top to the bottom. Well, those six points that we just talked about are the lower holes. So if we try and start with these holes that we're talking about now by patching those up to fill the bucket up, the water's still seeping out from the bottom. So yes, we're doing the right things by talking about physical health, which we're gonna do now at point seven, but the fact that we've ignored all these things before, the underpinning um, feel of our culture, uh, if we ignore those first, then the, it doesn't matter all these things that we're doing up here because the water's seeping out from the bottom. So that's a very long-winded way of me saying to you that your culture and your attitude towards work and the way you conduct yourself has more of an impact on well-being than typical well-being interventions. So if you are noticing high levels of stress and sick days and people bad backs and people not feeling very happy, don't just don't just address the symptoms make sure you're thinking about those deeper level issues that we've just spent 15 minutes talking about before we got to here again then point seven as a leader or manager you have to role model work-life balance and health efforts and the key word there is efforts as a manager or leader you do not need to be the pinnacle of health and you are not letting your teams down or anybody else if you're not the pinnacle of health all of us have a different relationship with health and fitness and that's absolutely fine but what we need to look at is the lowest common denominator. And the lowest common denominator is everybody wants to be healthy. Everybody wants to be pain-free. Everybody wants to live as long as possible. So that's where we should focus. And all of those things take effort. And people will only make effort in these areas if they are inspired by others that are making effort and they're in an environment that encourages it. So at a bare minimum for you as a manager or leader, you need to show that you are consciously making effort to 
protect your work-life balance in line with what you deem acceptable and that you're consciously making effort to improve your health habits. That's what people will notice. They don't notice who's got a six pack or who can run really fast or who's got the most expensive road bike or who goes rock climbing at the weekends, but they notice who makes an effort alongside their job. And that's the key thing that you need to do as a manager or leader. You need to show people, the people that look up to you and your teams that you are able to do your job, get results whilst making effort to maintain your work-life balance, spend time with your families, friends, whoever's important to you, and make effort on your health. If you're not doing that, the message that you are subconsciously conveying to everybody is that it's only possible to do well in your career if you sacrifice your work-life balance and your health. And that's bad, we don't want that. Now, typically, managers and leaders are very work-focused and they're very hard-working people, and they actually feel good in the short term by sacrificing health, sacrificing themselves for the, for the, for the, the needs of the business. Uh, now this is a short term feel good because it does, it, ma- it makes you feel good because you're hard work focused, it's, it's, it's how your values are put together. So it gives you this short term feel good, yes I've, I've taken on some extra work, yes I've done this, yes I've done that. But in the long run it, it drains you, it, it grinds you down and look at burnout levels in managers and managers and, and business owners and leaders. This is the, the outcome of that. So. The reason I say you have to make an effort is because without making a conscious effort, you won't do it. You'll just neglect these things. And that's what the people that look up to you will learn. And that will create a culture where people just sacrifice their lives to get results at work and it's miserable for everybody. So you have to role model efforts in these areas. Point number eight, you need to prioritize health, not fitness. Two different things. I've just kind of touched on this a little bit already, but when we talk about well-being, people tend to think of people with six packs or people that do yoga or people that can put their legs behind their heads or people that can do the Tour de France. We tend to go to the extremes of the different levels of fitness. Well-being isn't about being fit. Well-being is about enjoying the basic levels of good health alongside your career and your life. That's it. We don't need to get distracted by or focused on all of the other things that look nice, the bright, shiny objects, the, the running, the long distance runs, the marathons, the going to the gym, the look in a certain way, the going on the world's strictest diet. Forget all of that. Forget that stuff. All that we need to do to create a good culture in our own lives and in our own, in our, in our, excuse me, in our own homes and at work is show that we can focus on health. And health is a lot easier to achieve than fitness. Typically speaking, to achieve health, we need to eat three good meals a day that consist of protein, fats, and um, protein, fats, and carbs, including a source of fruit and vegetables in each meal. I'm not gonna to get too prescriptive with this because it will bore you and you don't need to remember it now. We need to prioritize sleep on average seven and a half hours a night for, 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 for the average person. And we need to try and get about 10,000 steps in a day and do a basic mobility routine. I'll do another podcast where we go into the specifics of that, but the point I'm trying to make here is that everything else outside of that is a distraction. We don't need to Go on, walk, walk, walk over all the all the mountain peaks in Wales. You know these are great things and they're good to motivate people and excite them. But if we're doing that at the neglect of just trying to encourage people to get enough steps around their busy life, just eating three meals a day, we're missing a point and we're not focusing focusing on the foundations. So you need to prioritise health, not fitness, and show people that you can do so. Point number nine then is quarterly team challenges can work wonders when it comes to promoting health. So. Um, an environment really does dictate success. And I just mentioned earlier that the world's longest lived communities are the ones where it's normalized in that community to be healthy. So people are just healthy without thinking about it because it's the, it's, it's culturally normal. Now people spend a lot of their time at work or doing work because obviously a lot of us work from home now. So 
if it's normalized within your work culture that people make efforts around the basics of health, you're going to potentially have a really good level of health and well-being amongst your people. If it's just something that's never thought about, never talked about, never mentioned, you're going to significantly increase your chances of having high levels of sickness, high levels of people with poor physical health, as well as stress. So what we want to do is normalize it in our culture. And one of the easiest ways we can do that without uh, impeding on our work time too much is through quarterly challenges. So they don't have to last a quarter, but that's a good cadence. You can do one every eight weeks if you want to do two and a quarter, sorry, one every six weeks if you want to do two and a quarter or one every 12 weeks. And what we want to do with these challenges is focus on the basics. So are we eating a healthy breakfast? No, okay, there's the challenge. We do some basic information around what what, what, a, what a good breakfast looks like and then we give ourselves a challenge as a team to try and hold, hold each other accountable to making eating a healthy breakfast a part of all of our lives if you do these challenges once a quarter so four times a year and you focus on habits for better sleep habits for eating a healthy breakfast getting 10,000 steps in a day and talking about how we're feeling so mental health challenge as well that's four habits that you've helped somebody ingrain over a year. How much better would your life be if you had four new health-focused habits that you didn't have before? You're gonna perform much better and you're gonna feel much better about yourself. So you can implement that in the workplace through simple challenges. Have a little Google on it if you want some inspiration, uh, but there's loads of effective ways to do this in the workplace. You don't need to overcomplicate it, focus on the basics. And then finally then, point 10, should have told you to get a notepad out for this one. Uh, point 10 is there's four levels of health or well-being based culture. So I break it up into four levels and whenever I go and work with a business or a team, I score them off these four levels and give them tips on what they need to do to get to the next level. So level one, the bottom, is that it's not possible or very difficult to be healthy alongside the job. So work creeps into people's personal life. It's culturally accepted that people work all the time. It's very difficult for people to switch off. People are expected to be available all the time, etc., etc. So number one, the lowest level is just, it, your job is making it difficult, or the job you provide is making it difficult for people to be healthy. That's level one. Level two is the job that you provide does enable people time to look after their health, but it doesn't encourage it. So it doesn't discourage it either, it just, it's just not talked about. So that's level two. So alongside somebody's job, if they're motivated and they take responsibility, they can go and improve their health alongside their job. Level number three then is that the job allows time for people to be healthy and it's role modeled by leaders and managers. So efforts in health are role modeled by leaders and managers. So now we've got an environment where people have got the time to do this alongside their job and they're being not actively encouraged, but they're being encouraged by seeing role models further up in the company exhibit behaviors around prioritizing health and work-life balance. And then finally is point is level number four, which is what we'd like to aspire to, which is where the job allows time to do it. Uh, leaders and managers role model the behavior and through the business and through activities and through things like challenges, it's actively encouraged to be healthy. This is when you're really gonna have a breakthrough. This is when you're gonna really start to stand out as a leading employer. You're gonna see high levels of engagement, you're gonna see better teamwork, you're gonna see better communication, you're gonna see people coming to apply for jobs for you because they saw the things that you're doing with the team that makes you stand out as being different. So it's a win-win-win situation by trying to move up to level four. So well-being really isn't your responsibility. This is point number one, but it's a good one to kind of wrap up on, but it is something that you have a big influence over and it's something that you stand to benefit a lot from by prioritizing. And this isn't one of the points, but I'm hoping that today's 10 points have helped you 
get an understanding of what I'm about to say, and that is that it's not complicated. It's really not complicated to create a great level of well-being in a business. And in fact, it's easier to do it in a business than it is at home because you've got other people that are focused like you, that are working towards the same goal, got the same challenges that you have, busy, stress at work, balancing life. And when you work on things together, it makes it much easier for you to adhere to them and make them a priority. So I hope you recognize that you know, 60% of what we talked about there is about the way that you conduct yourself at work and the, and the culture that you create. About 30%, so 30, 40% is around actually actively focusing on moving towards better health. But but before that comes all the culture stuff that's, that's vitally important. I will dig into those points in separate podcasts and we'll go deeper on them. But what I wanted to give you today was this good overview where you feel like, yeah, I get it. I get the, the role that we play. I get how we can influence it. I get that it's about the culture, not just about giving people incense and telling them to go and walk more. It's it's a it's a wider picture than that. And hopefully, I hope the key thing that you're taking from this is that it's, it's actually not that difficult. It's not going to take that much time and we can really have a big impact on our employees' lives by focusing on these things uh, without having to go and spend loads of money or without having to commit loads of time. So... If you would like to hear more on any of those points, please do comment and share below, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to it on one of the channels. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear your insights from today. If you had any key takeaways, is there one of those points that you'd like to go deeper into? Uh, share that and then we'll use that to create more content. Uh, but one of my comments from one of the last podcasts was that somebody really liked the way that we finished the podcast. I finished the podcast sometimes, but not always. So I'm going to be more consistent with this and sign off with, remember that, Life, teams, and business are better at each other.